What's up, Whisper Nation? We're talking week two rankings reaction and a couple of differing opinions here on the show this week as we got our rankings in full force. And we're doing it right here on episode 75 of the Fantasy Whispers. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Thursday, September 12th, and you are listening to episode 75 of the Fantasy Whispers with your host, Johnny Gametime Hicks, Big Travi, and me, Austin Sear. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com. We have articles, latest episodes, and of course, the rankings. And new for 2019, we have our Patreon account. So head on over to patreon.com, search The Fantasy Whispers to check us out. That's right. Wow, look at that. And just Week like that, we're the back. Books. Week one in the books, week two on the slate. I mean, this this NFL season's not going to stop. It's not going to wait for us. No. So uh, I'm pumped about this show. We're diving into the rankings. We told you guys last week, if you missed that show, you missed a gem. But we're doing it right again. We brought Austin on the show with us for this this year. This will be that Thursday show, getting you prepped for the Sunday games, but really diving into our rankings. Me and Johnny spent a lot of time, a lot of hours diving into a team-by-team level ranking sheet that we then spit our rankings out and put in a consensus form and austin thanks for joining us jumps on thank you and dives into some of those rankings with us yeah so i wanted to take a look at some of those ones that stood out to me a lot of the rankings you're going to look at and they make sense yeah we know patrick mahomes is going to be near the top of the list we know that elite running backs are going to stay near that top of the list but some people who are either sneaking up on there that i think it's uh, worth talking a little bit about how they got so high, or maybe some people that folks were expecting to see higher on the list that actually ended up being lower and talk about why the decision made was there. Yep, that's right, Johnny. We're going to dive into that. But first, I wanted to ask a quick question. So in Lamar Jackson's postgame press conference after he shredded the Dolphins for five touchdowns, he stated, not bad for a running back, right? Which was a <laughs> so nice funny. quip at all those people that had been doubting him, saying he needed to switch positions. So it got me thinking, Johnny, what is your all-time favorite press conference moment in the NFL? Oh, man, there's so many great ones, especially with the Cardinals. Um, but I, I have to go with the uh, the Derek, Ander or, yeah, Derek Anderson after the Monday night game where we were, the, Green, yeah. well, the Cardinals were getting blown out, and he was uh, he was laughing. Right. And so like some some uh, reporter asked him like in the press conference, he was like, why were you laughing when you guys were losing like 38 to three? And he just like loses it. And he's like, you think you think I don't prep better than anyone on this team? Like he just went off. He was like, I can't find something funny on the sidelines. Like it was hilarious. Extreme meltdown. So great. That was probably my favorite one. That's a great one. Jo uh, Austin, you got one? Oh, the first one that mind? just comes to mind. I know Johnny's on it, too. If you're going to crown them, crown their yeah, ass. Yeah. You know, the, the Danny Green, that's the infamous I, one. That's how I felt last weekend when uh, when we had ranked Aaron Rodgers number one. And, uh, <laughs> and then I saw the Bears defense, and I was like, they are who we thought they were. 
Yeah, they are. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's funny. You brought that one up because Delaney Walker this last Sunday in his post game press conference, basically dropped that one as well. Talking about the Browns. Mm. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass, basically saying, well, they still got to play football and uh, did the Titans show them more than ever. So, of course, we're going to jump into these rankings, but one more stop before we do. We need to jump into our news and notes. And, of course, our news and notes are brought to you by Fanatic. Uh, that's F-A-N-A-T-I-Q. That's where fantasy meets IQ. Fanatic has done some amazing work with their app this offseason, including adding articles, podcast episodes, player stats, beat writer updates. And, of course, our rankings are all right there in the app. And this year, they've added a new wrinkle. They're going to show you that matchup. Uh, who they're playing this week? They're going to have the opponent there. Who the who the or uh, what this player particularly ranked has uh, stat wise for the last few weeks? So going to be really nice when they start to really implement all the tools, and they're always constantly updating it. So head on over to the App Store on any of your Apple devices and grab it today. Uh, so first bit of news: this is the lead today, crushing blow for the Los Angeles Chargers. Hunter Henry suffers a tibia plateau fracture on his left knee. Um, that sounds so Man. painful. That sounds yeah. awful. And it's really sad. It's really sad to, uh, you know, Hunter Henry continuously in getting injured, you know, every single season. Austin Sear did a, a really nice whisper perspective where he talked about, you know, players getting instant injured con- uh, consistently and possibly, you know, ending their career earlier because they're just tired of the rehab. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. And, and you know, when I when this news dropped, Austin, I, I kind of sat there and I said, okay, well, upgrade your Mike Williams uh, stock, right? And then Mike Williams has a recurring knee injury here that uh, his coach, Anthony Lynn, says he's absolutely concerned about. So, Austin, is this just a great bump for Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and those guys? At some point, you know, you think that those targets have to go somewhere, and they will. Keenan Allen's going to benefit from this. Austin Eckler is going to benefit from this. At some point, however, the entire efficiency of that offense becomes diminished, and everybody's going to suffer from that at Mm. some point. The less targets out there, the less first downs that you're getting, the less scores that are being made out on the field. I don't know if they've hit that point yet. Phillip Rivers is talented. Keenan Allen is talented. Um, What they're doing over there on both sides of the ball is impressive. But at some point, the loss of these playmakers does take its toll. And you did see Travis Benjamin get some work in that game, too. So he's an interesting name for waivers coming up if Mike Williams is forced to miss extended periods of time. If you have something there, Johnny? Yeah, if Mike Williams plays this weekend, Travis, what's your confidence in starting him? Uh, Well, I have uh, Mike Williams ranked as... I'd have to tell you right there. I, I mean, I, I would play him just because I think the red zone opportunity gets increased here, mm-hmm. right, without um, <clears throat> without Hunter Henry in the lineup. So I think that was the big concern for both, you know, Mike Williams and Hunter Henry was the fact that they could negate each other this year. Without yeah. either one on the field, though, uh, you're looking at a – yeah, so I had – uh, some of that knee concern played into the fact because I have Mike Williams as wide receiver 53 this week. So oh, okay. not a huge fan of him coming into this week. And and so uh, just want to see what happens with that knee. Yeah. But with Hunter Henry's news, I will probably upgrade Williams if he's able to play. All right. So next bit of news coming from another injured wide receiver is Kiki Cutie, who was able to practice today. 
Johnny, I really wanted to talk about this because Cutie was a guy we liked coming into this year. He, he had a few weeks last year where he had 10, 11 targets in those games, and he really soaked up a lot of the middle of the field. But since then, the Texans have added Duke Johnson, who plays in the middle of the field as a receiver. They've added Kenny Stills, who scored a late touchdown last week. So does does it is it really Kiki Cutie's injury that concern you, or maybe the added weapons here in Houston? I mean, certainly the added weapons. We knew that once Duke Johnson got there, that that would take away a lot of the targets uh, from Kiki. So that that's why he started falling even deeper in drafts, uh, and then he got injured. So uh, for me, I you know, he has upside. He definitely has upside because he knows that playbook better than Stills does. Right? Stills wasn't in on a lot of plays because he doesn't know that entire playbook, but Kiki does. And so he still has upside because he can score a touchdown. Uh, but I mean, obviously that, that ceiling is capped for sure. All right, Austin, our next bit of news here was Jordan Reed is still in the concussion protocol. Same player, same story. Uh, I feel for this guy, similar to Hunter Henry. I mean, even more so than Hunter Henry, a guy that cannot stay healthy. Can't stay healthy. If he's out there, we all know the impact that he can make, um, but you can never count on his reliability. I don't like to bank on injury coming yeah. into a season. I like to assume that everybody has the same chance. Jordan Reed is a walking contradiction to that. He, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Un unfortunately so. Yeah. I have been in a couple of leagues, and I'm about ready to let it go. I was hoping to see one good game out of it, but I might not Especially with Case Keenum, right? You're like, Case Keenum's consistently targeted the tight end. You saw what Case Keenum did with Vernon Davis just last week. Yep. You really want to see what Jordan Reed could do if he got in there. Right. But, man, if he can't get healthy, there's just no no sense in keeping on to this guy. Yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, moving on here, Johnny, Joe Mixon, uh, his coach, Zach Taylor, said that he would uh, – Joe Mixon remains day-to-day -day here. We said at the beginning of the week there was a chance he would play. He did not practice on Wednesday – Johnny, how concerned are you with or without this injury with Joe Mixon and his production for this year? Uh, definitely concerned. I mean, he's dealt with ankle injuries throughout his career. And, you know, he, he that is what he does. Like, he is a quick, fast guy, uh, quick to burst out of cuts. And, you know, if you have a, a ankle sprain, it makes that really difficult to really get that momentum going. So it's definitely a cause for concern. Even if uh, I think as of right now, I did not rank him in. But if he does end up going, I still don't see him, uh, you know, being an RB1, maybe an RB2 fringe, uh, maybe flex play for me uh, with that ankle, ankle injury. Staying with the Bengals, Austin, A.J. Green is out of his walking boot and running on a treadmill uh, as as early as last or as early as this Tuesday. So A.J. Green could be ahead of schedule here in the rehab. Uh, interested in maybe buying stocks of A.J. Green here? I think A.J. Green is a perennial talent, and he's another person who covered from so many injuries, but he does come back A.J. Green-like. Mm -hmm. So until he comes back and is not himself, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to give him the benefit of that doubt and wait until he proves himself wrong. And uh, it might be this turn, but it, it might be the injury after that. Unfortunately, no, there's probably another injury to follow. Just hopefully not this year. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing what the Bengals do if they have A.J. Green, John Ross and Tyler Boyd all on the same team or on the same field at the same time under Zach Taylor, who comes from Sean McVay who used the 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets a ton in L.A. So I'm really interested to see what this offense, you know, they're going to be in a lot of shootouts because that defense is not very good. 
there could be some value in all three of these guys if they can all three get on the field and stay healthy. I love John Ross until A.J. Green's coming back. And when A.J. does, because of that big burst potential, yeah, um, it, it definitely could. Yeah. So uh, last bit of news here, Johnny, is Greg Olson is questionable for Thursday night's Week 2 game against the Bucks. He's also said, though, to the media that his plan is to play. Um, we know his plans to play, but this is a guy that continuously is uh, dinged up over the last three years. But I was really encouraged by his uh, amount of usage in the offense last week. Yeah, he definitely got a lot of usage. Uh, 20, 22%, I believe, is his was his target market share, which is really nice. Actually, I think this bodes really well uh, for fantasy owners because it's the Thursday night game. So you'll know ahead of schedule whether or not you need to look for an alternative tight end. You could also grab uh, the backup tight end uh, for Carolina. He's pretty uh, – Thomas is, is a good tight end there. Uh, that's what's really nice. It's, you know, not a Monday night game where you're like, oh, do I have to make this decision on Sunday? And, you know, what if he did play? You don't have to worry about it. It's on a Thursday night. We'll know. I do have my concerns. It is a short week, uh, and Greg Olson has dealt with a lot of injuries, but he is a tough guy, so I wouldn't be surprised if he stuck it out, uh, but I would still be cautious when starting him for sure. Yeah, I think to that point, too, though, if he does sit and you're an owner, don't go and drop him right away because this right. actually might be the nice mini buy that Olsen needs to get right. Uh, so if he is forced to sit out, you may want to look at Olsen, who got a considerable amount of usage and has always been a safety net for Cam Newton. Well, that yeah. wraps up our news. Oh, oh I just want to yeah. say um, if he does, in fact, sit, I think this that is a good news for Samuel owners because Samuel's only got 11% of that market share, and I think a big part of it was because of Greg Olson. So with Greg Olson out, I think we would see uh, him, you know, his uh, target market share increase. Could be. All right, so that wraps up our news and notes there. Uh, brought to you by Fanatic. Of course, if you download Fanatic at the App Store on your Apple device, you can win the week, win your league, and win the year. Win they life. Keep, <laughs> you just life. keep winning. Win the app. Hey, life. they can yeah. win all by, the If you sub, please like and sub if you haven't to this channel. We greatly appreciate it. We give awesome advice and have fun shows uh, all, all, all year long. You want to be here. Yeah. yeah. You, you want to be here. All right. Speaking of fun advice, we're about to jump in the meat and potatoes of the show here, guys. Our rankings reaction. So we're going to kick it off as we do every week with tight ends at the top of the show here. And you picked out, you plucked a couple of these tight ends right out of our rankings. And you said, explain this to me. That's and exactly what I did every time <laughs> I added them. Highlighting them and I went, explain this to me. Yeah, exactly. The next one. And I said a variation of that. So. Uh, the first one you have here is not our number four, our consensus number four tight end. That's OJ Howard, who this week we just talked about the Thursday night game is at Carolina. And so what was going through your mind when you selected OJ Howard for us? The reason OJ Howard came to mind was because this is a player whose physical abilities we are all very aware of. We're all just hoping that it comes together. And my concern with OJ Howard is the same that it's been since before the season started. And it was confirmed last week. We saw Cameron Brait that was still involved in the game more than we thought he was going to. We saw uh, uh, O.J. Howard was not the focal point of the offense. And so for a guy who is in the top five, uh, knocking on the door of, of elites for this week at least, um, 
where is your hope or expectation for him to be ranking in um, at that high of a level um, when I just haven't seen it come from him yet? Uh, well, I'll start here, Johnny, if you don't mind. Uh, mo- most of my personal rank, and I have him at ranked at five. Johnny's got him right there at four, and that pushed him to four in our in our consensus ranking. But this is more about me believing in O.J. Howard's talent rising to the top. This is a guy who has averaged pl- 14 yards or more uh, every yard, every time he's caught the ball. He had a rough week last week, but a lot of that blame deserves to fall on Jameis Winston and this offense's shoulders. And I think this is an opportunity where there are, again, heavy underdogs on, on the road here playing a divisional opponent. This is the opportunity, if ever, for him to come back and bounce back. And you always see the talented players do tend to bounce back and do t- tend to rise to the top. So, yes, maybe it's more of a touchy-feely ranking for me. But I, I was heavily invested in O.J. Howard based on the talent he's shown on the field, based on what I think this offense can be as an offense that continuously pushes the ball down the field. And I'm not ready to just uh, give up on that preseason ranking after one week. Not only that, but O.J. Howard only saw 12% of his team's market share on on last Sunday's game. Listen, Brashad Perriman got 18%, and I don't think that Brashad Perriman can sustain that amount of target shares. And so I think that this is actually going to be, you know, one of the last times that you can buy O.J. Howard, you know, at at a value where he's at right now. Because, listen... Look at all of the top wide receivers. They've, you know, Devontae Adams, uh, you know, you could even say Julio Jones to extend. He got a touchdown to kind of save his his day there. But a lot of these wide receivers, these top wide receivers didn't have the best of days. And it just happens from time to time. And I think that that's what happened. You know, Travis alluded to all the uh, the turnovers that Jameis had. And I think he hit it right on the head right there. And so I think that O.J. Howard's going to have a, bou- a bounce back week. And they're going to need him against Carolina. I think you can double down on that point of week one weird things happen mm-hmm. over there. It wasn't just the wide receivers. It was a lot of players at other positions that are coming in higher. And you don't expect him to stay behind this long, whether it be um, James Conner or Aaron Jones or uh, Devontae Freeman, Leonard Fournette, uh, on Johnson. These are all players who were taking in the uh, top three rounds who had very disappointing week one mm-hmm. performances. Teams are figuring it out. The preseason really isn't the preseason anymore. It's like a tryout in the first yeah. two games of the NFL season, you know, two to four games even. That kind of serves as the preseason, right. even though it counts. Great point. So speaking of somebody from the preseason that we all kind of took oh, a look yeah. at due to hard knocks, it was Darren Waller, a.k.a. Darren the Baller Waller. This Baller guy, Waller. This guy yeah. is so good, man. He's talented. He's now set up with A.B. out of town. He's to got be a great the, story. Yes. Yeah. Um, have you heard loves- him talk about himself? The level of self-awareness oh. and and honesty is just like this dude should have his own talk show. He should have uh, uh, early round consideration in upcoming drafts. Uh, he yeah, should. He could do all that here. So we should promote that. Yeah. <laughs> Darren Rollers. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so we have him ranked as our consensus number seven tight end on the week. They're playing Kansas City. And so. Was it just the fact that we we wanted to talk about Darren Waller that you wanted to bring him up, or or it's what did you want yes, to highlight? Here? I wanted to talk about him, and two, I understand the number seven. It's going to be difficult to bump a guy higher who we've only seen one game out of, who's had 
So many issues leading up to it. Who is a virtual no name coming into this year? But we heard on Hard Knocks, all of the Raiders players tell the Madden reps that this is the guy you need to be keeping an eye out for. This is the guy who is going to shock you. And then we also, in those similar episodes, heard John Gruden say that this offense runs through the tight end. And Darren Waller is now that tight end. Jared Cook surprised everybody last year. A great fantasy piece there. Darren Waller could be more talented. It could be an engine for the team. High volume, getting the ball down the field, all the kinds of things you're looking for. So I just wanted to talk about him a little bit. Uh, And also, I understand the number seven ranking, but I expect that weekly consensus to climb as the season progresses. Well, Johnny, I think you're more in line with uh, Austin's take on Darren Waller. You have him personally ranked at number five. I was yeah. the one reason why he's probably as low as seven is because I have him at 12. And just a little bit to Austin's point, it is about a wait and see thing. I don't want to see that offense of, of Oakland get so much love after, you know, one good game that we saw against Denver, who really crapped the bed on Monday night, if I'm honest, on defense. And I think that they'll probably get a lot better, but I expected them to be a lot better. And maybe some of that is to credit Oakland, but I just think that right now I want to wait and see on Oakland, and I think Darren Waller is a guy who has lacked consistency. Talent he has not lacked, but he has lacked consistency. A lot of it was to do with his offseason problems. You like to see this guy. He's fun to root for. I just want to see some of the numbers get out there first. Well, here's why I think that he's going to be really good this weekend, and that's because you look at what what he did last week, you know, seven of eight targets for 70 yards. I understand uh, you could say, you know, Denver did. They I had him in a couple leagues. They really did grab the bed. But look at what O'Shaughnessy did last weekend, and he had five targets against the Chiefs, and what do you know? Uh, Darren Waller plays the Chiefs this weekend, and so I think that you know they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit in order to you know keep with the Chiefs. And I think that Waller is going to be that mismatch guy uh, that will soak up targets. And you know how much I love targets in fantasy football. Yeah, opportunity is everything. And so I'm going to take this opportunity to segue us to the next position, and that's the quarterback position. Uh, basically, the superstars of the NFL. And the superstars of fantasy football. I mean, yeah. we've got it. We've had to change leagues because they're, they're so good at scoring. Yeah. But here we're going to talk about the number two ranked consensus, number two ranked quarterback for us this week. Lamar Action Jackson uh, for the Baltimore Ravens playing your guys' Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. uh, in Baltimore this week. And uh, so, Austin, you picked him out here. And I understand when we when we put these rankings out this morning, I had a feeling this guy's name would be on the list. I had a feeling I'd have a, a bunch of DMs about this guy this week. I know what it looks like, but uh, talk to us a little bit about the selection of Lamar Jackson here. We started the show out by ask, right, talking that about that press conference moment Lamar Jackson had of jokingly saying, not too bad for a running back, right? Yeah. yeah. And that joke obviously comes from everybody saying this guy's going to be running so much and his floor is that much elevated. Nobody expected Lamar Jackson to have a killer arm. And we didn't see it at all last year. We saw it was pretty scary at times. And so now we have one game where he played the worst team in the NFL and he had a great game. He did what he should do against the worst team in the NFL. um, If we'll crown the Dolphins that early, (laughs) but you know, he threw his five touchdowns. That's amazing. But he didn't really run the ball, right? right? It didn't even happen. That floor then is theoretically gone. If he's not going to be rushing the ball at the volume we expected him to, 
that bonus is available, but we're not seeing it. So then we're saying that this ranking is based on his arm. And it's like, yeah, he threw five touchdowns last week. That's great. But are we really that confident in Lamar Jackson's throwing ability over there in Baltimore? Here's the thing. I think that with Baltimore now, they can play two styles. They can come into a game and they could say, all right, are you a good run-stopping team or are you a good pass-stopping team? And then they just exploit whatever that is. I think Lamar Jackson could do either one. So that's why he makes them so incredibly safe each and every single week because I think that they'll have the right game plan in place to attack each team. Now, here's why I think that he's going, you know, I do get your point with saying, oh, you know, he only played the Miami Dolphins and they are the worst team, et cetera, et cetera. But the Cardinals aren't very much, uh, you know, better on the defensive side right now than those Miami Dolphins. And, you know, case in point, Matthew Stafford right now, has more fantasy points and is higher rated quarterback for fantasy than Pat Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, and Cam Newton, just to name a few of the top guys that were going way ahead of him. That's how bad this defense is. So Lamar Jackson will be able to throw on him. They will, he will be able to run on them if they choose to do that. Uh, and it's going to be a shootout. So you put those combinations together and, you know, they're going to see a ton of plays. You know, I expect 70 plus plays in this game uh, per team. So opportunity and the ability to adapt. I love Lamar Jackson. This is why we were so high on him coming into this season. And now we've seen the ceiling, I, or not ceiling, but we've seen this upside that we didn't think we had anymore. You know, so your, so your main point with it there is that the rushing is not gone. It's just available. And Correct. now this passing ability is available as well. So it's a true dual threat with a quarterback who might be showing more discipline than we expected early on. I, I love that you said that because really what that means is, is yeah, it's available and we really haven't seen a ceiling because at this point he was QB eight through the back half of last year without throwing. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was QB one when he did throw and didn't run. So is this guy a world beater cheat code when he can get it both together? They've done. I'm just so proud of what the Ravens have done. They took the bye week last year. They totally revamped this offense. They turned it over to Greg Roman, and now they've given the keys to Lamar Jackson. And we could be seeing a lot of things, like a lot of fireworks here. Yeah. Dare I say something similar to the Chiefs? Maybe not that level. They don't have all the talent surrounding him as much as Mahomes. And Lamar Jackson is not Patrick Mahomes. Don't get me wrong here. But they have done Marquise Brown, all the tight ends they have, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst. They have great weapons around Lamar that fit his play style. They ran the third most plays last week. They'll be playing the team who ran the most plays last week. The matchup is too juicy to not have him in your top five. And I think that if you didn't play him for a safer play right now, you'd be leaving points on the table and think about it also this point too at the end of games generally like they have a really good defense that's kind of the difference between some of these other teams like they also have a really really good defense and so at the end of games if you're up you run the ball correct well that takes out most quarterbacks Lamar Jackson you got to be you got to be betting that he's going to get at least a couple of those carries to add on to his on it onto his game and so I just think that he, we could see a really big season from Lamar Jackson. Well, from one dual quarterback to the next, we're going to go to Kyler Murray here. Uh, Austin, 
wanted to talk about Kyler Murray ranked as number 11 here this week. He's Ooh. playing Baltimore. He's playing against Lamar Jackson this week wow. in Baltimore. Uh, so talk to us a little bit of, uh, about the selection of Kyler Murray here, Austin. Sure. So Kyler Murray was another quarterback, uh, very similar to Lamar Jackson. And we had said it so many times of there's no, I remember in the mock drafts, we would said that what scenario are you going to be taking Lamar Jackson over Kyler Murray? Because right. Lamar Jackson was a quarterback. We didn't think who could throw and Kyler Murray, we knew he could throw and was likely quicker than Lamar Jackson even. So, Last week, we know that there was a first through three quarters Kyler Murray and then a fourth quarter Kyler Murray. And it's such a small sample to be looking at. But I think there is interesting things here to dissect. And that's what I wanted to hear your takes on Kyler Murray. Fringe quarterback one right there. You'd expect a 12-team league to be starting him um, at that uh, somewhere in there. Um, so what are you excited for? What are you cautious of? Um, do you think it's a similar situation that we saw with Lamar of, while we didn't see Kyler run the ball, we know he can. So if he's holding that until he needs it, um, how do you just see this new Cliff Kingsbury offense, Kyler Murray's second game, um, and him being ranked around the 11th spot? Well, it was looking ugly there at first, right, guys? Like, we saw Kyler Murray kind of not make the best decisions. And in the postgame conference, Kingsbury said, he said, I was trying to do too much. Kyler was trying to do too much. Uh, we needed to change some things around. We simplified it. But this is one of only two teams that threw the ball 50 times last week. And I think with how heavy they are as a, an underdog here, we saw Kyler really step it up and lean on a couple of great wide receivers that they have in Arizona. And I think Kyler's upside here is, if not the same as Lamar's more because of his ability to be a better passer proven in college. And so, yes, is there some concern? Yeah, that's why I have him down at my personal as eight. Johnny's got him in his 11. We ended up as 11 here because I think that there's just a little bit more downside based on working out some of the kinks of a brand new head coach, brand new play caller, and a scheme that is just becoming to become in the NFL and, and, and implemented there. Well, uh, Johnny, what what's your take on Kyler this week? Yeah, it's just strictly uh, the defense is, is going to be better. I do expect them hopefully to start off. Like it is scary to think of what Kyler could possibly do in this offense, uh, given if he plays the way he played, you know, in the uh, fourth quarter and overtime for a whole game. Like you could be looking at like 450 passing yards, you know, and and several touchdowns. So he definitely has that high upside. You didn't really see him run too, too much, which I was pretty impressed with. Uh, they had a couple of design runs, which is nice. Um, and and so he when you when he scrambled, he was looking to pass, and that's what I really like because that is what fantasy. That's what's going to get people excited. The fantasy owners are then going to really see him for what he really can do, and that's when he gets the most dangerous. And I've said it many times on the show, but when you roll out and on that pick or on the on the interception, if you look at it, he if he would have put a little bit more air on it then it would have went oh and it went over that safety it would have been a touchdown for sure there was no one even within 25 yards of him he would have been burnt so if he learns how to kind of maneuver that a little bit more you could be seeing a couple of those a game and then yeah look out but as far as right now it's let's being more realistic right now uh week 2 against a good defense uh it, it will be fun but I expect not as much production because Baltimore has a better defense. All right. So 
I wanted to move us along here to the next a position here. I want to go with wide receivers. If you guys are down, uh, our number seven, uh, wide receiver is Deshaun Jackson. Uh, and this is big. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was nowhere near the top 10 for a lot of people, uh, coming into last week and he balled out and now he plays Atlanta on Sunday night and he finds himself number seven in our wide receiver rankings. And so John or uh, Austin, uh, talk to us a little bit about Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, we knew what he could bring to the table, uh, but there was a reason why he was going later in drafts. And he came out week one performance um, to hang your hat on, if you will. He not only produced a lot of yards, multiple touchdowns, but he led the team in targets. I wanted to see if you thought that this is, is this the juice or is this the sauce? Meaning Mm -hmm. this was great. Juice lasts in the fridge a couple of days. Sauce lasts for a couple of years. Is this the juice or is this the sauce? Which one are we looking at over here? Based on that wide receiver one ranking, it looks like you're going with the sauce. This is not a flash in the pan kind of situation. This is something you could sit there and use for multiple holidays year after year. I mean, this is what Deshaun Jackson is, right? Deshaun Jackson has done this throughout his career. This isn't the first time where he's ever had a day like this. He has it quite often. Uh, He just hasn't had a consistent quarterback in a while uh, to keep that consistent. Let's remember the beginning of last season for the first four games, Deshaun Jackson was a very solid wide receiver, and he was a top five wide receiver through the first four weeks, and then he fell off. So this isn't unusual. Deshaun Jackson usually does this. In fact, I would probably go and try to trade Deshaun Jackson right now uh, while his value is so high. I don't want any part of that. Uh, I don't want to trade him away. I want to keep Deshaun Jackson. I think there's every reason to believe that he can average 20% of this market share. We talked about it all offseason about how good Carson Wentz connection was with Deshaun Jackson all offseason until the Buccaneers switched from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Jameis Winston. Deshaun Jackson was dominating the market share for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is what he does. He's one of the best deep ball route runners we have ever seen in the NFL. And if he stays healthy, which is a big if, he's he's got a small frame. So I understand that concern for sure. But if he stays healthy, Deshaun Jackson could be a top 10 wide receiver, especially in that loaded Philly offense, which right now I'm clocking to run consistently close to 70 plays per game. We know you'd have to be coming from the Philly offense, right? Like with that, like if it's all working over there, how is he not going to be producing regularly? And that's my thing is like we've seen – Alshon Jeffrey flirt with that top 12 status with Carson Wentz. Let's take a better athletic profile and put it with Carson Wentz in a more loaded offense, meaning more opportunities for this offense. I I love Deshaun Jackson's outlook. And so, yeah, maybe my personal rank of number five is a little bit of a victory lap for a guy I had touted all off season long. But I really, really think that he's got this kind of upside. And this matchup against Atlanta this week, yeah, I mean, come nice. on. Like, the, it's it's going to be a nice Sunday night game in a dome. There's going to be – it's going to be boom, Matt Ryan, boom, Carson Wentz. And Deshaun Jackson's almost a lock to get a touchdown. And now that I've said that, he will not. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so that one's cool there. Moving on to another wide receiver that we talked a lot about over here in the offseason. Uh Consensus number 13, wide receiver Christian Kirk, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. We're playing Baltimore, as we talked about earlier. Uh, we saw John had him 
uh, personal rank at number 17, Travis ranked number 12, uh, settling in at number 13 there. I guess I wanted to hear your takes and if you, uh, where this confidence came from with Christian Kirk, um, dealing with a team over there that we still don't really know what's going on and we think it's going to be Murray's favorite target, but uh, Fitzgerald is still over there. Uh, Johnson looked good, David Johnson as well. So what's your take on that one, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, excuse me. I Last week, you talked about uh, Christian Kirk, and I had him ranked as my number nine wide receiver. And I just I missed the boat on which one it was. It was Fitz, and Fitz ended up having the day. And But the thing was, was Christian Kirk, he still saw, you know, 10 targets last week. That's a lot of targets for a wide receiver. He only caught four of them for 32 yards. But his average depth of target was 11.7. You certainly like that. And again, this this Arizona offense is going to be playing from behind. Uh, Vegas has them minus uh, 13.5, I believe. And so they are going to be throwing the ball a lot again, just like they did this past weekend. And so uh, I'm going to double down on it. I said it last weekend, and it didn't happen. But I think that Christian Kirk will find one of those long bomb uh, for a touchdown, and, and that will make a big day for him. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we talked about it a little bit already. I think the we kind of opened the box a little bit mm-hmm. on the Cardinals, and we saw that this team is probably a team that's going to run a ton of plays, and they're going to throw a lot. Mm-hmm. And they have some of that perfect mixture of what the Chiefs kind of had last year, what the Falcons had last year, a shell of a defense that has some names, will make plays, but you're going to be able to throw on this team a lot. And if you're going to be able to throw on them a lot, they're going to be throwing a lot. We've got fits in our top 10 this week. We've got Christian Kirk right outside. I think you can consistently see a situation where both of these guys are getting 20% market share of a team that's going to throw 50-plus times a game, yeah. and that is that spells fantasy gold. And I think if you're slept on Kirk because he only caught four of his targets last week, like you're going to be sleeping on a guy that really has upside. People, I've gotten a lot of DMs. Do I trade Kirk away? Do I trade Mike Evans away? Do I trade? It's week one, people. Let's mm-hmm. calm down just a little bit and realize what's more likely of a scenario for some of these players. And I think Arizona is pegging up to be kind of what we thought they could be was a fantasy gold mine. Mm-hmm. And they started to get things clicking in the front. Yep. Right on. And so the last wide receiver over here, uh, Tyrell Williams, uh, number 34 consensus you have against Kansas City. I know that we were watching the Raiders go against the the Broncos in prime time, and we don't still know a lot of things. But in my opinion, Tyrell Williams looked pretty explosive. He looked pretty reliable. He looked like Derek Carr's number one target. And to put a guy there who's going to— Behind Baller Waller. I— I, I know that, but actually I think you're wrong. I think Tyrell Williams actually still had more targets and receptions than, uh, than it Waller was 30, did. Waller had 30. Checking the stats, Waller, Waller had, had 30, just a little bit more. Yeah. One, one more target. He yeah. had one more target. Okay, so so, so they were they were pretty even in yeah. their split for the they most part. They were pretty part. even in their split. Tyrell yeah. Williams was getting the ball down the field a lot, and he looked really good. And to have him there ranked that I saw as, you know, in the wide receiver th- category um i just wanted to get your take on that if you are being a conservative with that ranking or if you actually just think he's trash 
Well, Johnny, to Johnny's credit, Johnny's got him within the top 24. So Johnny believes him as a wide receiver. You too. think he's trash? I, I do. No, <laughs> no. Look, he's just a career inconsistent player. He's had big games with uh, before with Philip Rivers and then disappeared the next week. And part of that was last year against the Chiefs. In two games, he had less than 80 yards and had a, and only one score between those two games. You'd think, oh, well, maybe was the score was in the high yardage game. No, the score was in the other game. So he's just like, he's not giving you what you want every week. Consistency is my thing here. I do kind of like the mass matchup uh, against Kansas City. I feel like they will have to throw. My career or my concern is the career of Derek Carr as a deep ball thrower. I have not seen him consistently hit a guy deep on, you know, a week in and week out basis. He just can't get that out, just like he can't throw the ball. No, uh, I just, I just, I have trust issues with the Raiders, and oh, I see there's the, the real issue. I, well, issues, I mean, I think that's. Huh? The, listen, we see this every year. We watch Hard Knocks. We want to get high. They have a good game. We're like, oh my god, the Hard Knocks players. I love them. Let's go. Uh, Tyrell Williams needs to prove it a little bit more for me. Is he a fine waiver ad for sure? Am I going to be rolling him out there every week? I need to see something first. Here's so. here's the thing, though. Okay. Tyrell Williams is now the number one guy. We've never seen him as the number one. I thought Darren either. Waller was the number one guy. He's a, a tight end. Uh, so are you saying? <laughs> so would you say that Sammy Watkins isn't the number one in Kansas City? Because he is right now. Because Tyreek's hurt. Okay. You, if you're really gonna th- you, so this week, do you have Sammy Watkins with a higher target market share, or do you have uh, uh, Kelsey? Oh yeah, probably yeah. I yeah, see what you're see, saying exactly. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm talking about in the wide oh, receivers. Yeah. So Tyrell Williams finally gets his chance to be a wide receiver one, and we talked about it. The wide receiver one can produce in Gruden's system, and so can the tight end. And so you know if they're throwing the ball, yeah, it's not significantly high. I have them throwing the ball about 26 times. Can Waller get his eight targets? Can Tyrell Williams get his eight targets? Yeah, and I think that. With those eight targets, he his average depth of target was 18 yards. You're telling me that if you're getting eight, 18 tar- or eight targets, uh, you know, 18 yards down the field, and you don't catch a few of them, have the touchdown upside, you got to like that. And I think Tyrell Williams can do that. I think he really can be the number one for this team. Yeah, he also had an 85 percent completion percentage uh, in that game, and, and that's not a career. Dude. That's not a career high. Uh, that's not like a career average for. For uh, Tyrell Williams, I'm just saying, like we should pump the brakes on that offense if we're projecting them to be a low volume offense across the board. I think that you know a guy you want to lean in more on is Darren Waller than Tyrell Williams. I would, uh, just, I, just... I do agree with that. But I will also say to the Derek Carr thing, Derek Carr was actually ranked uh, Pro Football Focus's best and most accurate deep ball thrower last season. So, for what it's worth, Pro Football yeah, Focus when he's yeah. That stat's skewed because he didn't throw a ton down the field. That's why. Like he, He's the most accurate because he had the least volume of like the top deep ball throwers. So good takes over there with the wide receivers. Let's jump over here now to the running backs. Uh, take in number eight. We're going to go discuss first. Leonard Fournette. Uh, Johnny's got him 12. Travis has got him six. I'm a big Leonard Fournette fan. I have been for a while. I like his setup in the system. I like the natural talent that we expect for him to continue to show the same one that we saw his rookie year. Um, But he did have a disappointing week last week. Not a very good yards per carry. Didn't have a very good yards per carry last season either. How are you feeling about Leonard Fournette? Talk to me on that one, Travi. 
Uh, for me, it's volume, man. Uh, 13 of the 16 team carries last week, received nearly 18% of the market share for targets last week. And I just feel like this is exactly what we thought Leonard was when we were drafting him. I mean, maybe not exactly, uh, but <laughs> where he was when we were drafting him in the first uh, round a couple years ago. And that is a true bell cow when that doesn't really exist anymore in the NFL. There's only a select few that do it. And with this, you know, Gardner Minshew, who's taken over now as as the rookie quarterback here, I don't see them going away from Leonard Fournette as the focal point of this offense. And he had the most targets and catches in a game since his rookie year last week. And I think that is the the thing here that keeps his floor nice and high is that he'll consistently be worked in the passing game, even if they are down in quite a few games. Uh, but don't sleep on the Jaguars. Talented on defense. If they run a very basic vanilla offense, that's going to benefit Jack or that's going to benefit Leonard Fournette. And I think that this is a guy you can fire up every week as a top RB one because he's going to get the volume to be such that. Anything other than volume pushing him along here, Johnny? What, what's your take? I am concerned about this matchup because you're looking at what does uh, Vegas has them as uh, nine and a half point underdogs, which means they probably and they're going to be on the road. So it means that they're probably not going to have a whole lot of rushing attempts. Like you just said, Leonard Fournette only had 13 rushing or 13 carries. You're not you're not excited about just 13 carries if you're uh, drafting Leonard Fournette where you drafted Leonard Fournette from. Uh, he did have a nice five yards per carry. Uh, that is nice. That offensive line is nice. Uh, maybe they do try to stay in this game by running the ball and keeping Deshaun Watson off the field. Uh, that could possibly happen. Uh, in a PPR league, though, like Travis said, I do like him a lot more because I do think he'll have a lot more check down passes um, as opposed to if it's just a standard league, you don't get all the added flavor, extra fluff for getting a reception. All right. So moving down the list now, number 12 consensus running back out of Kansas city, Damian Williams, who will be playing the Raiders this week. We had a lot of, uh, you could say fireworks hit near the end of the off season here, preseason before the regular season of LaShawn McCoy going over to Kansas city with his former coach, Andy Reed. How, what was your take from what we saw the chiefs deploy out of their backfield um, with all of those backs that we know is over there um, and still to have the confidence in Damian Williams to project him where you did. Johnny, you want to, well, I have him a lot lower than Travis does. Uh, I have him 16 personally uh, with the shady, you know, shady hasn't been with this team a whole lot, a uh, whole long time. Yes, he does is familiar with the playbook, but Andy Reed, We've said it time and time again. He's so innovative with his offenses. This thing has evolved significantly since when Shady played in it. And so Shady is still learning the playbook. But last weekend, he got 38% of the rushing share and only 2.6% of the target share. Whereas Damian on the other side got 50% and then 19% of his team's targets. I don't expect those two things to happen again. I think Michael Hardman comes in. I think he takes some more uh, of that target share away. I think that Shady, we know that Shady can catch out of the backfield. So uh, I definitely see him uh, going down. And just last weekend, Damian Williams, with all of what I just said, you know, all that target and all those carries and touches, he was he's the uh, RB14. So 
if I don't think that he can reach that ceiling, that means he's got to be more efficient with those. And he already scored a touchdown, which inflates his numbers significantly when you're ranking him as a fantasy guy. So to me, I, I just don't see him as a, an RB1 this week. Uh, but I think he'll be an RB2 flex play for you for sure. Travis, I know you see it a little bit differently. You had him, I think, number eight over there on your rankings. What's, yeah, giving, what's, what's over there with that? I kind of have this as a game where if you can't start Damian Williams here, then like, why are you, why would you be starting him ever? Yeah. Like, that's the point I'm trying to make here is like, they're playing the Raiders They're I mean, they have consistently worked the Raiders in the passing game to the running backs for as long as I can remember. And they're going to do that again because the Raiders have lost more pieces on defense and D- Damian Williams presents a mismatch. I know Johnny talked about his touchdown and, and typically touchdowns aren't, sticky stats but with Damian Williams they have been in this offense I mean last year he was he scored 10 times in the last seven games so Damian Williams is a guy that they love what he does for this offense yeah he only got about 50 percent to 40 percent of the market share to Shady right Shady gets the 40 percent but like we said he dominated that target market share and I think that's where they love him and in this offense you want to be getting that and especially like I know I love McCole Hardman's like profile but he's a rookie wide receiver learning a very extensive offense. And Damian Williams has been there, done that. And the running back has consistently gotten between 15 and 20% of the market share in this chief's offense. And so I think if that comes down a little bit, sure. 15 to 18% though is still really good. And I want Damian Williams in my lineup this week. Sure. I like that. What you said there, if you're not Damian Williams and the chiefs, we're going, they're going to teach us a lot this weekend. Over yeah. There in Oakland. We're going to learn a lot of answers to the questions that we're all asking. Uh, so the last running back here, uh, number 23, uh, Josh Jacobs versus Kansas city. I, I brought this one up because I saw a little similarities over between Josh Jacobs and Leonard Fournette, not as talented as a running back but still a first round talent that was taken we saw him get a tremendous amount of the carries the target share all these different things there um yet he is a little bit lower on the rankings there i just want to head on those ones and um, why you put him there where you did so for me it has to do with his pass catching ability it did not show um a ton in college it did not show a ton in the first game. It was talked about a lot in puff pieces with this offense that he was flashing hands in camp, but I didn't see it yet. And at, I know that statistically, we didn't even see him in camp. Statistically, uh, hard not. Yeah. forgot about him. Yeah, they didn't show. No, you yeah. saw he. You saw. You saw. Did not want to be on that show. You no. saw him the one time in the auditorium, and he had his head covered up. Yeah, and then like, you hear about his story. Yeah, where he came from and everything. I, that's I, probably why I didn't want to be seen. Yeah, he just, just didn't want any part of it. Yeah. That's not him. Um, yeah, Josh Jacobs, great story. Looks talented. Looks like he's going to be a focal point as far as carries are concerned. You know, we talked about this in the offseason. If you had combined Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin's carries last year, you would have got around the ninth most carries in the NFL last year. So the carries are going to be there for him. I just worry, we've seen statistically over time that usually if a tight end is a focal point of your passing game, the running back suffers. If a running back is the focal point of your passing game, the tight end tends to suffer. And if we are all projecting a low volume, I'll say it again, passing offense to run through a tight end, uh, apparently, then I think Josh Jeff Jacobs may suffer a little bit in his passing game work. And so for me in this game where the running game could disappear quickly, uh, I think there's a situation where Josh Jacobs gets game scripted out of this game. 
Yeah, and I I would agree with that. Uh, I think the only thing that I would have to argue is, you know, this Kansas City D-line is not the best. And so, you know, Leonard Fournette rushed for five yards per carry. Uh, I think in order to beat Kansas City, like, you can't you can't win in a shootout. Like, the offense, Oakland's offense can't win against Kansas City's offense. So, in order to do in order to keep into this game and stay in this game they've got to run the ball and be effective in that and so that's my only uh that's what i think i think he'll get a lot of touches in order to try and keep pat mahomes off of the field all right jumping out to the defenses uh number one defense that you have here is the patriots against the miami dolphins as we discussed um, I just wanted to hear your take on the number one defense as uh, I saw the Patriots were available in more leagues than I had expected them to be available. What do you think, Johnny? Well, I think a, a big part of the reason why they were available in so many leagues, a lot like Carolina Panthers, they just had a really bad first or on paper, at least had a really bad first matchup. And that was against the Steelers. You know, we think it's the normal Steelers that are going to score a lot. So a lot of people didn't pick them up. Same with Carolina. They played the Rams week one. So you didn't have a lot of people picking them in drafts. And so uh, I love the Patriots. You're I mean, listen, they gave up three. Baltimore gave up three points against them, I believe, right? Last weekend. And, uh, they scored a t- or, 10, 10 points. Yeah. Sorry, 10 points. Uh, uh, I was thinking Patriots only let uh, the Steelers score three points. Yeah, so, yeah you're right. Yeah, so um, you got to think that they're, they're not going. And this is an old coach. You don't think they're going to try to really rub it in and be like, dude, you're not going to beat us? Yeah, I, I don't know the numbers, but I remember looking it up that the coaches that come back to play Belichick never fare well. I yeah. think maybe once or twice it's happened, but uh, they usually don't. And I think to to the point is we usually think that the Patriots are going to need time to get their defense in form. We were proven wrong, at least on uh, from what we saw yeah, in week one. Great. And that's a scary thought for the defense, and it's a very scary thought for the Miami Dolphins playing them this week. All right, so then I, what I did here, the ones that I pulled, number one, number two, and number three defenses that are here, these are the, the top ones that you could pull. And the number two on that list was the Bears against Denver. Um, we understand this one. Why uh, anything you want to highlight with the Bears, or is this just kind of a case in point? Um, Denver sucks. The Bears defense <laughs> is awesome. And that, deal with it. Enjoy the points. That yeah. really sums it up. This is a very low over under 40 and a half points right now per Vegas. So you're looking at a game that uh, Chicago should take care of Denver and they've had the extra time to prepare. So the offense has an opportunity here to put points on the board for Chicago. I think that Chicago and Denver keep it close, but I think Chicago's defense showed us why they are ranked so high coming into the year and why they should be ranked high weekly. Yep. I agree with all of that. 100%. Then we will move on to the third defense, the Bills, a team that you might see available on your waiver, or maybe, maybe not. They're playing the Giants this week. Um, do you expect the Bills to be able to force turnovers, or do you see this as just being a low-score game? Um, I see on paper this is one looking pretty good. What gets you excited about it, Big Travi? Uh, just the fact that the Bills are consistently a really good defense, and they're playing a team that now has you know could be threatened to lose Sterling Shepard here so another weapon Golden Tate not in the offense Sterling Shepard not in the offense OBJ not in the offense uh we're talking about a lot of players that aren't going to be there for Eli Manning and you know I I just see the Bills maybe have an opportunity to get New York to press the button on Daniel Jones a little early 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, this this Bills defense is really, really good, and they do force a lot of turnovers and, you know, get sacks, and that's what gets you fantasy points. So I do like them as a streamer if, you know, the other ones aren't available. All right. Well, Whisper Nation, we ran through our rankings, some of the reaction of guys that we were high, low on, in between, couldn't decide. But we want to know who you're thinking about. racking. Who's racking your brain right now as you make those lineup decisions heading into the Thursday night and then Sunday night games? So comment below in the comments right here on YouTube. Click subscribe, get those notifications. And then also head on over to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We answer questions all over there as well. And if always it and as always, if you want other content, head to the fantasywhispers.com. For Austin Sear, Johnny Game Time Hicks, I'm Big Travi, and we're the Fantasy Whispers, and we're out. Check us out Peace. live on Sunday before your lineups. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.